And so before we continue to submerge into our inheritance, the unchanging epigraph of the study of our inheritance is the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And so that we as the participants of the body of Christ would share together with Christ all the things that are to be fulfilled that are written about him in scripture, we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the word of God and with the Holy Spirit revealing the truth in our heart, looking at what we need to do from our side to receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we can put on the new way of life. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is created in accordance to God in true righteousness and holiness, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. To fulfill this commanding order, we have been studying three vital, charging, and fundamental acts to put off, be renewed, and put on. We've, we've noted that it is specifically your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts to put off, be renewed, and put on that will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a, a vessel of wrath. More specifically, will the realization of our salvation come to pass that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it, which will then result in our names being forever blotted out of the book of life, although they may have written, been written there at one time. In a specific format, we've already studied the first two questions and stopped to study the third question. What condition do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. Relevant to this, we already looked at a series of parables and events. We became familiar with the condition that we need to fulfill in order to, by the name of God El Elyon, or God Most High, destroy the stronghold of death in our body in the form of reigning in its sin, identifying the essence of our old person with his deeds, so that we can forever thrust him out from our body into hell with noise, and afterwards erect the kingdom of heaven in the form of the stronghold of eternal life in the place of the stronghold of death within our body and stop to study the next condition. This condition consists in the 18th Psalm of David where the Holy Spirit with the right that he alone has reveals the condition based upon which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon or God Most High. And this condition is that in the circumstances of our hardship in life, when we are putting off the old man, we can call upon the Most High as to our God and confess the faith of our heart, stating who God is to us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, and who we are to God in Jesus Christ. We've noted that this event is one of the most powerful and voluminous symbols where we see the collaboration of our renewed mind in the form of King David and the name of God Most High and also the confrontation of our renewed mind with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul together with reigning sin in the form of, of our old person with his deeds. Again, three kings in one body.
because it is by the means of the confession of the faith of our hearts stating who God is to us in Christ Jesus and what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. God receives the required basis or grounds to join the battle for our earthly bodies in order to shame the old person in our body by the power of the redemption of his redemption and forever cast him into hell with noise. But first, he needs to be bound because to thrust him out, you will be able to do this when God begins to reveal himself. When suddenly, over the, all the face of the world, the saints that have prepared themselves the promise will be given to them at the door of their hope when our body in the blink of an eye will be changed from the carnal body into the heavenly body and we will for a specific time for a few years will remain on this earth with the resurrected saints and our bodies will be heavenly and before this happens we bind the old person within ourselves this is what it's talking about what you will bind on earth will already have been bound in heaven by this time it wasn't talking about demons demons are not bound they're driven out they're rebuked people have confused this instead of binding the old man they bind demons they say, demon, I bind you. How are you binding him? You need to drive him out if he is within a man. The old person, you can't drive out. You can't drive the old person out. You need to bind him because his being driven out is linked to a specific time. Demons are driven out. And so again, it was talking about binding this old person, putting him in a prison, just as God will put the devil for a thousand years into a prison while he reigns here for a thousand years so that he not tempt the people. It will be the same thing here. We are called to bind the old man within ourselves. We need to put him into a prison within ourselves so he loses power, control over our body, over us. And when he loses this control over us and we obtain the power, he will be condemned from a king. He will become a prisoner. In its character, the Psalm of David contains three parts where we see an example of the character of legitimate prayer that we, where we collaborate with God and we receive every promise in time. The first part identifies the condition or state of David's heart as a warrior in prayer. The condition of his heart was grounds for the legitimate status of his prayer. The second part reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer, which gave God the proper basis to deliver David from the hand of all of his enemies. The third part describes the prayer battle itself, which surpasses the comprehension of the human mind because it is written in an epic format. In a specific format, we've already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part, which reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer contained in the eight names of God Most High. Getting to know and confessing the power contained in the heart of David in the eight following names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised to be saved from his enemies. <clears throat> and for God discovering the truth, revealing the power of his names in the heart of David, provided God proper grounds to use his abilities that consist in his eight names to battle against the enemies of David. Why eight names? When there are 50 of them in scripture, 
But here it, there is only eight presented, and this is sufficient because this is the number of the covenant. The Holy Spirit selected the names that were linked directly to the covenant, a covenant that we make with God. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. The eight names of God. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my strength in whom I will trust. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is the horn of my salvation. The Lord is my stronghold. In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we already looked at our inherited lot in the power of the two names of God's strength and rock and stop to look at the lot contained in the power of the name of God, fortress. We note that this nature of prayer where David confesses his lot in the eight existing names of God Most High is the tr strategic teaching that is purposed to be the calling and mantle of a king, a priest, and a prophet anointed to rule over their earthly body. We are called to have this trifold of anointing, a king, a priest, and a prophet, in order to rule over our body, to govern our body, and to allow God the opportunity to govern within us. We will remember that if a person has not accepted the given to him anointing to rule over his calling in the form of his earthly body, in the status of a king, priest, and prophet, then this revelation purposed for worshiping God in prayer will not be beneficial to him. Therefore, the quality or lexus identifying the name of God fortress that has become the subject of our study is not able to be found in any existing dictionaries of this world. In the given prayer psalm of David, the word fortress is used as one of his names, the names concealed in the inherited lot of the Son of God in whom and through whom a person is able to run to God in order to know God and be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven containing a program and time of fulfillment of all oath promises of God. Any seed contains a program. When you plant it into the ground, you put it into the ground, some seed they rise after three days, others rise after four years, five years, as the bamboo. It is within the ground and only begins to become visible after five years, but when it's visible, it grows from seven centimeters to a few meters within a few days with that sort of speed. I uh, did work in a bamboo garden and I saw how these pl uh, plants grew. I leave in the evening, I see that the earth has, has lifted a little bit and the next day I come, it's a little less than a meter high, this bamboo, and the next day after that, it's already higher than I am and it reaches sometimes 40 meters. And so, the longer the seed is in the ground, the quicker than the growth and the more powerful the growth, robust the growth, growth will be. 
And so for every seed, there is its own time. For example, for the seed of promise that is within at the door of our hope, see what kind of seed uh, and time. For a long time, it remains in the ground. We confess and confess, and suddenly, uh, explosively, it begins to grow. It becomes to grow so robustly, so 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 uh, so so quickly. In Hebrew, the name of God, fortress, means the dwelling place of God, God's home, the sanctuary of God, the unapproachable light in which God abides, the place where a person gets to know God, the opportunity to be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven, the success of God, the joy of God, the hope of God, and the trust of God. Practically, the lot in the name of God, fortress, the place where God abides, and within the boundaries of which we are able to know God and be fertilized with the seeds of of the kingdom of heaven. And the placement of this fortress is located in three unique realms, in the heights of the heavens, in the sanctuary, which is the body of Christ, and the heart of a man, one who has a humble and contrite spirit, one that is trembling before the preached word of God, hearing it from the mouth of the person who is clothed into the power of a father from God. Studying the consistency of the lot that is contained in the name of God fortress, we need to not forget one indisputable thing, and that is that God can be our fortress only upon one condition, and that is if our heart will be his fortress. Now it happened that as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. It was talking about this man that he had holes for foxes and nests for birds. And so the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. He could not find peace there. And then to another following him, uh, following him he saw his heart and said, Lord, <clears throat> follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Because his father was not in agreement with the teaching of Christ. And so he thought that he needs to humble himself, bury his father, and when he die, does die and he buries him, he'll father Christ. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are in my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Luke 9, 57 through 62. It's interesting that as soon as God reveals the truth, he no longer gives the opportunity, a person the opportunity to do something else, but to immediately fulfill what he has said, not to part or separate and uh, I will go and uh, tell the people that are looking for me. As soon as the Lord reveals the truth, you either make yourself a a servant of the word or you reject it. And so according to the words of Jesus, in order to become a partaker of the inherited lot contained in the name of God fortress, we need to satisfy three conditions. And first, our heart is called to become a fortress for Jesus in which Jesus would be able to lay his head. And for this to happen, it is necessary for our heart not to have holes for foxes or nests for birds. So that upon our list, our priorities, 
the prophecies not be above the written word of God. Your prophets, Israel, are like the foxes to the ruin because they prophesy against the written word of God. And nests for birds are the strongholds of the mind. I don't understand it that way, or I think of it or understand it this way. My personal way of understanding thoughts that come and I see and form a conclusion to how things should be understood and don't agree with the truth. This is, these are these uh, nests that are already weaved. Apostle Paul said, we destroy these strongholds within the minds of men. Second, it is necessary to allow the dead to bury their own dead. These represent that category of parents that being Christian people who have rejected the offer to them truth in the form of the preached word spoken by God's delegated ones and refuse to pay the price to be the students of Jesus. <coughs> They again did not acknowledge uh, in the delegated of God, God's anointed one. And it's strange, people that don't acknowledge absolutely do not know the scriptures. It's very interesting. They have uh, some places of scripture that they've memorized, and those are their strongholds, these nests, and that's it. When you begin to bring forth places of scripture, the truth, they're as if completely blind and deaf. They don't want to hear it. I, that's how I've been instructed. That's how I've been taught. We don't agree with this. What are you talking about? And so forth. <clears throat> rebellion and uh, unacceptance. Third, by following Jesus into the fortress of his heavenly Father, it is necessary not to look back or focus your eyes or your attention upon your nation, the house of your Father, or upon the corrupt desires that we not be in the likeness of the wife of Lot. The consistency of the, of the Lot contained in the name of God Most High in the virtue and purpose of fortress as the house of prayer is for us a strategic teaching purposed for performing prayer, providing God proper grounds to enter into our life and to participate in achieving our salvation, that is our coming to power over our calling, which is adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. Therefore, our lot in the name of God fortress becomes one of the primary goals that all of the redemption of God is focused upon and that upon our list of priorities is to be placed above all secondary good works and goals. Our inherited lot in the name of God fortress is a place that independent from circumstances and time, we are called to run to in order to receive grace for needed help, in order to get to know God, abide within God, and be fertilized by the seed of the truth in order to grow the fruits of our spirit. Upon what conditions are we able to enter into the presence of God so that he can be our fortress where we can get to know God and be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven within our spirit so that we can grow from it a tree of life. Their nobles, the nobles shall be from among them and their governor shall come from their midst then I will cause them to draw near and be in be and he shall approach me for who is this who pledges his heart to approach me says the Lord you shall be my people and I will be your God Jeremiah 30 21 22 it's talking about the son of man Jesus Christ that 
will be brought forth, will be born in the flesh from the nation of God. And only he has access to approach God into the fortress of God. And if we acknowledge him as our savior, then does God become then our God and we become his nation. In other words, we cannot approach the Heavenly Father, but only in Jesus Christ and by Jesus Christ. The phrase to approach God contains the opportunity giving the person the ability to be fertilized with the seeds of the promise that belong to the door of hope, in the fruit of which God receives proper grounds to join the battle for our earthly bodies in order to destroy the stronghold of death within our body. While we don't have the seed, we don't have, God does not have the proper basis to fight or battle for our bodies. While we don't have the promise that our body needs to be adopted by the redemption of Christ and that this is the primary goal, God does not have then a proper basis to battle for our bodies to destroy the stronghold of death in our body and erect the stronghold of life in its place. And in Hebrew, to run to God means to approach the altar, draw near to God, enter into the sanctuary of God, get closer to God, run to God's help, find yourself in the fortress of God, be able to be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven, grow fruit of the Spirit. Due to such a list of definitions, the law and name of God fortress contains various meanings and independence of the circumstances and time has multiple meanings and is multi-angled. First, the name of God as fortress abiding within our heart is called to be the legitimate level of a relationship with God where a person receives the ability to get to know God and God receives the proper basis or foundation to get to know a man. Second, the name of God as fortress abiding within our heart is called to provide us the ability to receive the seed of promise that God has ordained from times of old, but that we, due to specific reasons, have not yet been able to receive because due to our spiritual growth, in our new person, the reproductive function has not yet been formed, giving us the ability to be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. In infancy, that is attracted by every wind of doctrine, it yet does not have the reproductive organ to receive the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. Everything that he hears uh, is either missed or is received differently. The name of God fortress abiding within our heart is called to incorporate the participation of the power of God into all aspects of our life to give us the opportunity and ability to approach God and by doing so be fertilized by the seeds of all the truth. Therefore, every time when God, by the means of the Holy Spirit, allows a person to run to or to approach God, then in result of such closeness or contact, we will always have a corresponding or suitable fruit in the aspect in which we are allowed to approach or to run to God. Therefore, it is us in every individual aspect of our essence that are responsible to form such an atmosphere within our heart that we would be able to become a fortress for God in order to provide God legitimate grounds to be our fortress. And such an atmosphere is called to be the good soil of our heart, capable of receiving the seed of the preached to us word of God. God, so that in the name of God deliver, we can then grow the fruits that is according to the nature of the seed we have received. And so again, in the infants of Christ, their heart is not good, their conscience is not cleansed from dead works, they, their good works that they do are actually 
ones that are inspired by the flesh and they actually defile their conscience and are not accepted by God. It is independence of our choice and following that choice decisions and actions that will determine if God will become our fortress or the opposite will become our revenger and our hater. And this choice is our decision to either carry responsibility for our calling and our selection or the opposite, refuse to carry responsibility for your calling and your selection and draw the wrath of God upon yourself. Therefore, if we don't make a decision and will not take upon ourselves the responsibility to fulfill the agreed upon by us obligations in our covenant that we have made with God, God will not have any grounds or reason to help us or be our fortress. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I remind you again that this phrase that he spoke, take this cup away from me, was against God's will. He begins to pray against God's will. And then he refuses the phrase he just spoke. He takes it back. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Luke 22, 41-43. God looks at the final result. Sometimes in suffering and struggling, a person begins to say, maybe, Lord, may this cup be taken from me. He understands this is God's will. It needs to be fulfilled, but then understands that God is not changing. He does not change his word. Therefore, my will but yours be done. This is being broken or being humbled. Looking at this given testimony, we can see that to create an atmosphere that would provide God the ability to help us and give us power to run to Him is the collaborative and everyday work between God and man. As soon as Jesus agreed with the will of the Father, then immediately he had received access into the fortress of God and was an angel from heaven then came down and strengthened him so that he can fulfill this will. The Holy Spirit came down and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was taken upon the cross. Considering such a tandem or such a necessary union of God and man, it becomes vital for us to identify identifying in every aspect of our essence the role of God and the role of man and for this purpose studying our lot in the previous names of God which is called to be the lot of our salvation we have come to the necessity to look at a series of questions first what characteristics and criteria identify our inherited lot in the name of God fortress second question what purpose when it comes to achieving our salvation is our inherited lot in the name of God fortress called to fulfill third question what price do we need to pay in order to provide God the ability to be our fortress? And fourth question, by what results do we determine that God truly is our fortress in our fulfilling our calling? Not having clear and comprehensive answers to these questions, we will not have any ability to invest our silver in the form of our guaranteed salvation. We will not have any ability to receive a profit in the fruit of our righteousness from the guarantee of salvation. That is, that is so that the guarantee no longer be a guarantee and that we receive it as our own personal justification. Because we first receive justification and salvation in the format of a guarantee, but this doesn't mean it's yet yours. And as soon as you invest the silver of salvation, only then you receive it as a profit as your own personal possession. 
If we do not demonstrate, again, voluntary and indisputable obedience to the word of a man that possesses the authority of a father from God, we will not have the ability to receive a prophet and the fruit of our, of our righteousness. For all of the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen to the glory of God through us, 2 Corinthians 1.20. It is impossible to receive the promises given by God by the person whom he has placed and not obey the word of this person or interpret his words with your own mind, making yourself equal. If a person that is placed by God stated a verdict of God and retained the sins of a person on him who disobeys his words and perverts the truth of these words for his own personal fame, popularity, and rotting greed, then to, dis, uh, to dispute this verdict is impossible and pointless. So Jesus said to them again, to the apostles, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. John 20, 21 through 23. When a person after his disqualification does not repent, but rather make his, makes his own verdict about this decision, stating that we made the decision to exit or leave a immovable foundation, but will continue in this teaching, then doing so is being like one that is a madman or crazed individual. Here's what the scriptures say about people that come out from us. First, how can you exit the congregation of a movable foundation from which you are already disqualified or excluded? And second, how can you remain in a teaching that has always been perverted in its essence for the benefit of controlling and heinously using and living off of the children of God? Additionally, such a person with his own words confirms that he has never exited and uh, he's never existed in the elementary teaching of Christ, but only perverted it with his uncircumcised heart. Here's what the scriptures say about people that come out from us. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, 1 John 2, 18, 19. Instead of being an example for the flock, how you are to obey the words of the person <clears throat> that carries or bears the teaching of Christ, the haters of Christ, the group that Alexander Sapiti has joined together with his wife, exploit the teaching of Christ for personal gain and to lord themselves over the flocks in order to convince them that there was a misunderstanding and time will put everything in its place, refusing the, to acknowledge the fact that time has already put everything in its place. He who hears me, hears, he who hears me, he, he who hears you hears me, he who rejects you rejects me. I've received a message from them. Alexander Sapiti with his wife said that they have exited uh, immovable foundation saying to the leader of before this, uh, he, they would tell me, I'm, you're our apostle, we acknowledge you, and so forth. When the time came to repent, he said to the leader of a movable foundation, he no longer acknowledges because he does not even acknowledge me as an apostle, so there are many leaders but one apostle. And so... 
Returning to the inherited lot in the name of God Fortress, I want to remind us that in a specific format, we've already looked at the essence of the first two questions and stopped to look at the uh, seventh sign in the third question. What price do we need to pay for our heart to become a fortress for God, which would give God the legitimate right to be our fortress? Seventh component of the price for the right to approach God consists in bringing sweet incense into the presence of God. Then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, with his hands full of sweet incense beaten fine, and bring it inside the veil. And he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony lest he die. Leviticus 16, 12, 13. You see, in order to enter into the presence of God, into the fortress of God, this is one of the necessary conditions not to die. If you won't have the sweet incense, sweet fragrance, and you don't enter in with it, you will die. In order to understand the given component of the price for the right to approach God, it is necessary for us to at least in short look at what in our trifold essence is the golden altar of incense and how do we build our heart into a golden altar of incense so we can be the fragrance of Christ. Because without building your heart into a golden altar of incense, the golden censer for the sweet incense loses its purpose and cannot be for a, a legitimate right to enter into the presence of God as to our fortress. Second, what in our trifold essence is the symbol of the golden censer? Third, what in our trifold essence is the symbol of the sweet incense that is beaten fine? These three sacral items in worshiping and serving God are very interlinked. And if we will not be taught in what way we need to build our heart into the essence and how they work one with the other, we will never be able to have within ourselves holiness that would give the place for the holiness of the Most High to abide within our trifold essence. Because of the cloud of incense that came from the censer and the altar, this is the atmosphere of holiness that abides within our heart, that by the confessions of, with our mouth, uh, which is a foul odor for one, pe one person's and a pleasant incense for another, now, thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life, and who is sufficient for these things. For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God we speak in the sight of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 17. The clothings of uh, the garments of the priests that were saturated with this uh, sweet aroma, they were so unique. Thousands of years had passed, but they continue to be fragrant and it does not become fell. They kill any uh, germs, any, uh, there's no uh, element of decay. This odor is the odor of life. It's a very interesting uh, fragrance that destroyed uh, 
foul odors and the garments again physically were saturated with it and 2,000 years pass and these garments continue to be fragrant and fresh as I looked at the mummies in Paris, London they uh, also uh, King Tut as, uh, who was also mummified when you don't when you actually see the mummy body you can't tell what's where but here there's freshness according to this testimony we are called to build our heart into the golden altar of incense and the golden censer that is filled with the sweet aroma that is burned by the fire of the Holy Spirit in order to form within our heart the atmosphere of holiness that would become a fortress for the holiness of the Most High that would give God the proper grounds to become our fortress the golden altar of incense indicates righteousness in our heart that stands guard of the boundaries of holiness in the form of the faith of God that is imprinted upon the tablets of our heart. In the previous services, we, in a specific format, already looked at the meaning within our heart of the golden altar of incense. We will immediately look at the second question, what in our trifold essence is the symbol of the golden censer and what is its relation to the altar of incense within our essence? Unlike the golden altar of incense that is built before the entry of the Holy of Holies, that there was a fragrant, uh, sweet aroma that was presented to God every morning and evening, every day. Uh, the golden uh, censer, only one uh, day a year at the day of purification, was then brought in and taken. it was taken out into the outer courtyard. The coals were taken from the altar and then together with the blood of the goats that was brought would be brought into the Holy of Holies that where upon these coals this finely uh, ground uh, uh, spices were then put upon this uh, these coals and that was to sanctify themselves in the nation the altar of incense upon which there was a uh, sweet aroma that was presented to God every single day, morning and evening. Before using the golden censer and bring it into the Holy of Holies, you needed to sprinkle the golden altar of incense with the blood of the goat that was brought for the cleansing of the altar and only after that then burned this uh, sweet aroma. And so again, this is the inner essence of a warrior in prayer. This is the altar and the censer is the confessions of his mouth. You see how interlinked these two are together, the altar with the censer. This is the state and this is the expression or demonstration of the status of your heart. In essence, the golden censer was also a symbol of the intuition or a middleman between the faith of his heart and his mouth that confesses the faith of his heart. Next question, what is this fragrant aroma, the sweet aroma that was to be burned every morning and evening and in the day of cleansing? And the Lord said to Moses, take sweet spices, stacte and anika, and 
galbanum, and pure frankincense with these sweet spices. There shall be equal amounts of each. You shall make of these an incense, a compound, according to the art of the perfumer, salted, pure, and holy. You shall beat some of it very fine and put some of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. But as for the incense which you shall make, you shall not make any for yourself according to its composition. It shall be to you holy for the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to smell it, it shall be cut off from the people. Exodus 30, 34 through 38. Apostle Paul identifying this sweet uh, fragrance in our essence says, for we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God we speak in the sight of God in Christ. And so this fragrant incense is a symbol of the state of the human heart that contains the unity of the four teachings, the baptisms, laying of the hands, the resurrection, and the eternal judgment. And now the final question, what within our essence is the burning coals of the altar without which it is impossible to burn the incense, not upon the golden altar of incense or the golden censer? The burning coals that are taken from the bronze altar of incense allowing the sweet aroma upon the golden altar of incense as well as the golden censer turn into the sweet cloud of incense is the symbol of the Holy Spirit who abides within the temple of our body in the status of the Lord and Master of our life. The symbol of this fragrant or sweet aroma within our trifold essence which can be a fortress for God so that we would provide God the proper grounds to become our fortress is our ability not to peddle the word as so many but to preach this word in sincerity and speak it from, as from God, speak in the sight of God in Christ. The sweet incense is, is the prayer of the saints that is filled with the power, uh, fire of the Holy Spirit coming from their heart that come to God, which is the gold, in the golden altar of incense, which represents then also their inner motives. And another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayer of the, all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. These are prayers that are in accordance to the teaching of Jesus Christ that are before the throne and the smoke of the incense with the prayer of the saints ascended before God from the angel from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with the fire from the altar and threw it to the earth and there were noises, thunderings, lightning and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Revelation 8, 3 through 6. And so the bronze altar within our essence is the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is that we died for sins, living for God. This is our ability by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ to condemn ourselves according to the truth and offer ourselves as an offering to God together with our prayers. The meaning of the golden censer to be the middleman between the intelligent aspect of our new person and the intelligent aspect of our soul that is renewed by the spirit of our mind is the symbiose of our intuition that is demonstrating the prayers of faith that are done with a pure mouth. 
that together with the censor gives us the legitimate right to approach God so that we can fulfill his will, which is our calling, that is to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ, so that we can then become carriers of the heavenly body and so forth. Question, by what results do we need to identify that God truly is our fortress in the accomplishment of our calling? that is adopting our body by the redemption of Christ so that he can make us carriers of the heavenly body. And so the first result that our heart is the fortress for God and we are in his fortress will be our contentment in what we have or God has allowed us to have. Hebrews 13, 5, 6, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Hebrews 13, 5, 6, the phrase to have a conduct without covetousness, it is as in, the, uh, in a military format is it presented here pretty much a command to be followed. Without covetousness, conduct is a demonstration of godliness and content uh, with what we, God has allowed us to have. Without covetousness, conduct is great gain, which is control or power over your money. Love for this is root of all evil that is supported by the demonic prince Mammon. For godliness without contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these things, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men into destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and control over your money is the root of all kinds of good, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Second, or First Timothy 6, 6 through 11. We all, without exception, due to our lawless and unclean, uh, genetic line in which we were concealed in the flesh by the line of our fathers has a system of all evil and the desire to become rich. David says, in sin I was conceived and in sin my mother bore me. Psalm uh, 51, 7 through 9. Further, without covetousness, conduct is testimony of the fact that uh, the soil of our heart is pure from all kinds of roots of evil. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundant for every good work. Second result, that our heart is a fortress for God and that God is our fortress, is our uh, ability to stand in the faith and the ability to confess the faith of our heart. 
that the Moses and prophets spoke about. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand witness both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come. Acts 26:22. Everything that Paul preached about, he founded in the prophets and in the books of Moses. He says, it's not something new that I preach to you. It's I'm preaching what the prophets wrote. He preached Christ. Moses said, God will bring forth a prophet from your midst, and all who will now be obedient to him will be uprooted from his nation. And so to receive help from God and to stand in your, the confessions of what Moses and the prophet said is to walk in the faith of God. Walking in the faith of God is testimony that our heart is a fortress for God. And second, to walk in the faith of God is testimony that the word of God is our fortress. Walking in the faith is our ability to know God in His Word, by His Word, by the power of His Holy Spirit. But we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. That is the truth of His Word that is given to us freely. These things we also speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. 1 Corinthians 2, 12-13. The next element of walking in the faith of God, demonstrating that our heart is truly a fortress for God, and the Word of God is our fortress, is our ability to stand in your confessions. But even after we had suffered before and were spiteful treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it deceit. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our heart. 1 Thessalonians 2, 2 through 4. <clears throat> this is very important, this uh, risk that a person takes when a person knows this truth and needs to confess it, but people are afraid to confess as I say often, people come, pastors come to me and say, Pastor Arkady, you're right. You're a person of God, and God has revealed this to you. And we agree with you. But if the majority of the people will be against you, we will also be against you, but this will be outwardly only, but inwardly we are with you and supporting you. And these are individual people, pastors, who had said this to me. I support you, but I will never defend you publicly. I see that it's the truth, but I will never defend it publicly, is what they would say. And so the one that will not defend the truth, will not confess it, he does not have this. Uh, acceptable risk. You see what Esther did. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Esther 4, 15, 16. <clears throat> she was going to her death when you confess the truth in your heart you need to understand that this is linked to the risk of death don't think that all will just accept this I thought at the beginning that when God will reveal the truth I thought 
all of how the brothers will rejoice, how they will accept the truth. That's what I thought at the beginning. But I saw the wrath, the anger, the, the, the rebellion, the resistance. I was, I was surprised. I said, Lord, I thought, I thought. Then the Holy Spirit said, look at Jesus. He had revealed the truth. How many had actually received his truth? Yes, they understand that it's the truth. They understood it was the truth. But they said, if we acknowledge this truth, then we will stop being priests. They were already pastors. They will no longer be pastors because for them, they actually weren't pastors. They were voted for democratically, but they realized that they will need to subject themselves to somebody else. And how's it? I, a pastor, an Episcopal, will never be, but that means this person's never been a student. And so that is the misfortune of, of these people. Daniel 3.17.18, we see this risk, uh, the risk of faith. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if you, if not, let us be known to you, to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Daniel 3.17.18 Today in many churches these golden uh, idols stand that they worship. Yes, physically maybe they're not there, but specifically this form of service as the golden idol. This is no longer a god, but they call it God. And the one that does not worship him or acknowledge him, they uh, announce, pronounce that this person's a heretic, and the multitude will all obviously go. And so just as they said, you know, King, we will not bow to your idols. God will save us, but even if he doesn't and we die, we still will not worship your golden image. This is a, 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 a blessed risk that they, that they are in. The next element of walking in the faith, demonstrating the fact that our heart is a fortress for God and the word of God is a fortress for us, will be demonstrated in our ability to remain faithful to God and not, and not do this in fame. It's difficult to be faithful to God and not, when, when we're saying this, when uh, we don't know what will be behind that door. We won't know. We won't be uh, in, in the know of what is behind the door that we're going to open, saying, Lord, open it so I can see. But God says, I'm with you, just go. By faith, Abraham obeyed, which he was called to go out to, to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Faith is linked to the unknown, Hebrews 11.8. And see now, I go bound in the spirit in Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, Acts 20.22. 20, I don't know what will be. I know that something is supposed to happen. In the spirit, something is 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 turning and not looking at the fact that I feel this, I'm still going because of the trust. The next element of walking in the faith of God, demonstrating the fact that our heart is a fortress for God and the word of God is our fortress, is the demonstration of our ability to differentiate the voice of God in our spirit from foreign voices and only follow the voice of God. 
but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. John 10, 2 through 5. You know, it's unfortunate that when people receive a, a, a voice of a stranger as a shepherd, and they then consider the voice of the shepherd as a stranger, because their voice, uh, they receive the, they have, as Alexander Sapiti had said to one of our brothers, you know, why don't I, I don't put Pastor Arkady to, to, for the church to watch. I take from his sermons and speak my own so that the sheep would know their shepherd. And this way he, 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 he thought that this was the right thing, that they would follow his voice, thinking that his voice is the voice of God. But his voice was the voice of the devil in the situation because he, as a harlot, would take the wine and would mix it and prepare it with the uh, wine of her fornications, it says in the Bible. For many years he came here and every time I gave him the ability to preach, he would take a thought and when I would give him the ability to speak, but this time around, the last time, he became more arrogant and he began openly take specific places of scripture and change them up and pervert them. And I said, Lord, what do I do? What am I supposed to do in this situation? And so you understand that this can happen and in many churches when they hear the voice of a true shepherd from God, they acknowledge him. He's not strange because and if they don't, that means they follow one that is blind. And the, and the reason they follow one who is blind is because they are themselves are blind. If they were not blind, they would have seen the truth. For, for certain individuals, it takes only one time. They hear a shepherd speak and they immediately follow the shepherd. The thing is, there when I when I saw uh, their service, I had a rejection to this. They have a false charismatic service. They don't use our songs or the form. They dance and, and add other things. They say it's a culture. This culture was never part of the Israelite culture. In the temple, no one danced. There was a great reverence and, and, and fear in that place. It, they were able to dance out of the temple, but not during the time of service and worship. They, for worship time, had begun to dance and do other things. And so they were never of our, of, our, of our own or with us. The next element of walking in the faith of God, demonstrating the fact that our heart is a fortress for God and the word of God is a fortress for us, will demonstrate itself in our ability to bear fruits of the spirit. But he who receives the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces, some a hundredfold, some sixty, 
and some 30. Matthew 13:23. The good soil of the heart identifies the walking in faith of God. At the same time, the bad soil of the heart identifies walking by the flesh. The works of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred. Sorcery is when the person takes the truth and perverts the truth. I think it's better. Hatred, contention, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensation, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time of past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Galatians 5, 19 through 22. The third result, that our heart is a fortress for God and that we are within the fortress of God, is our abiding in the covenant with God, which will be revealed in our ability to cleanse the aspect of our life, the aspects of our life upon the, the foundation of the responsibility that we have with God and cleanse it from idols. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside in the, to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, so eight days when he was circumcised, eight years, he was eight when he had uh, become a king, and eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David, and in the twelfth year he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. Second Chronicles 34, 2-3. The Holy Spirit bringing forth for us the work that he had done to the descendant of David. We see here, uh, eight, eight, and then the number 12. The number eight is a number of the covenant that a person makes with God upon his conditions. Specifically, walking and abiding in the covenant you have with God makes your heart a fortress for God and gives a person the ability, the legitimate right to come to God or to approach God. The covenant that you make with God is in the number 12. This is the order of God and God's direction in the fruits of our spirit. And so Josiah was circumcised again on the eighth day, a symbol of the covenant. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generation, he who is born in your house or bought, or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant, he who is born in your house and he who is brought, bought with your money must be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Genesis 17, 12, 13. 
что Господь Бог Израилев дал царство Давиду над Израилем навек ему и сыновьям его по завету соли. Вторая, Паринфон 13.5. Should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave the dominion over Israel to David forever, to him and his sons by covenant of salt? And as we know that Josiah after his reign, or the beginning of his reign anyway, he was in the covenant of peace. Genesis 2, 2-5 And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his works which God has created and made If we possess these three covenants and are able to stand and to control ourselves with this order number 12 the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh then this speaks about the fact that we have this result that God can abide within our heart and we can abide in him the fourth result that our heart is the fortress for God and that we are within the fortress of God will be our ability to look at our enemies the Lord is for me among those who help me therefore I shall see my desire on those who hate me when it's speaking of those who hate you or your enemies in this situation looking at your enemies means to be confident and that they're not able to separate you from God. I will look at my enemies calmly. I will, I will keep watch uh, over the enemy. I will get to know the, uh, the actions of my enemy. I will understand the strategy of my enemy. And for God to look at your enemies, <clears throat> we need to give God proper grounds to be our helper so that he can be our supporter and our helper against our enemies because of the covenant we make with him. In Hebrew, the word helper that God has uh, obliged to become for a man upon his covenant, upon the conditions of his covenant, will be is to stand uh, for him, to stand with him, and to stand against him. If we are within our covenant with God and fulfill the conditions of the covenant, we give God the ability, we, we fulfill our, our role and we allow God the ability to fulfill his role to stand for us and with us when we don't fulfill the conditions of the covenant we have made with him then God instead of being our helper will become our hater that will be in the likeness of death in the situation why do you, the wicked renounce God? He has said in his heart, you will not require an account, but you have seen, for you observe trouble and grief. 
to repay it by your hand. The helpless commits himself to you, and you are a helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations have perished out of his land. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear, to do justice for the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may oppress no more. Psalm 10, 13 through 18. First, the sign that we abide in the covenant of God is that the readiness of our heart uh, to make sure that the Gentiles are thrown out or thrusted out from within the boundaries of our body. And also that our soul, which has died for our heart, that has died for the, uh, our nation, the house of our father, and our corrupt desires. All inhabitants of the world and dwellers of the earth, when he lifts up a banner on the mountains, you see it, and when you blow a trumpet, he hear it. For the Lord said to me, I will take my rest, I will look from my dwelling place like clear heat in sunshine, like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. Isaiah 18, 3, 4. To see a sign that rises on the mountains is to understand the signs of the times. A sign is a, in a fulfillment of God's promises, adopting our body by the redemption of Christ, where we are to become carriers of this Heavenly Father, like the clear heat of a sunshine. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble, and the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in its wings. You shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts, <clears throat> Malachi 4, 1 through 3. And this, of course, is all to happen within our body. To listen to the sound of the trumpets upon the mountains is to obey the sound of the trumpet of the preached word of the person that is clothed into a Father of God for us, again to know the sound of it and obey the revelations that are spoken justice and righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne mercy and truth go before your face blessed are the people who know the joyful sound they walk O Lord in the light of your countenance in your name they rejoice all day long and in your righteousness they are exalted for you are the glory of their strength and in your favor, our horn is exalted. Psalm 89, 14 through 17. If we are able to calmly look at our enemies from the house of God, which is the chosen by God remnant, then this means that our heart is a fortress for God, and God in his part is our fortress. Amen. Let us bend our knees, and we will pray and thank God for the word that we were able to receive today. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, again and again I thank you for the great privilege to be upon this place 
to communicate with your people that you have made the place of your abiding, the place of your glory, the place where you give us the ability to get to know the revelations of your words, the place where you give us the ability to know and see the signs of the times. We thank you for these signs that with great power began to show themselves and are really making the planet Earth impatient and all of hell and brings heaven to joy. You have told us that when we begin to see this, that we not sorrow, but begin to lift up our heads. We thank you because our deliverance is near. The deliverance of our body from this old person is near with his deeds. The joyful and triumphant status is coming, the field, the sense where the stronghold of life will be erected in our bodies, when our bodies will become heavenly. Thank you for the privilege that even now we can proclaim the not existent as existent, that today we can be carriers of these heavenly bodies. And we thank you that you already have destroyed the stronghold of death in our body and have erected the stronghold of life. May glory be for you and your name. You said when the Son of Truth shall rise, then your saints will receive healing from its rays and you will heal your inheritance from those wounds from those pains from those suffering that were inflicted because of our inheritance we have inherited from our parents in the flesh terrible a terrible future of illness and difficult circumstances, situations of life. But you will lead us through these tight circumstances so that we can become victorious, so that we learn to battle, so that we become warriors in prayer. You said a righteous one may have many sorrows, but God will deliver you from all of them. Thank you that you deliver us from our sorrows. Thank you that we have joy that is not interrupted within our heart and that is independent from sorrow. However losses we may experience in life, the joy that we have in your promises that you have given to us do not become dim. They, it's the opposite. They become to shine greater and greater. And as the sun that rises within our body and gives light to our essence, may your saints be blessed and may in their bodies all illness and all weakness be cursed. May the Lord and God and Father be glorified in every individual holy person. We thank you, Father of heaven and earth. We accept these promises and this healing into our body, and we worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And therefore, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.